morning shows. Or Step 590 fan Brent Gunning and Ailish Forfar this morning filling in for Justin Cuthbert. Middle of the week. How's it going, Gunner? Fired up. Fired yeah. up. Little baby, baby Friday. There we go. Baby, baby Friday. Look at you catching yeah, on. I'm getting the vocab of the show. We actually call that Embryo Friday. Okay. I don't know how my, appropriate uh, that is, but my um, wife's a fertility nurse. I will check in on the matter and yeah, get back actually, to you. That might not be accurate, but you will chat tomorrow. Well, we will. <laughs> Tomorrow's definitely Baby Friday. There we go. Okay, whatever you want to call Wednesday, middle of the week, Hump Day, Embryo <laughs> Friday. We made it one day away from opening day in the MLB. There's a buzz. I'm wearing my you are Buffalo Bison like jacket. It was sharp. I know, right? This little old vintage fit. I thought we'll tiptoe into my. Spring wardrobe. I don't know how many people. Jay's stuff. I don't know how many people care about this, and this is uh, you know a little flattery of the of the permanent host of the show. Mm. But your jacket game is Thank impeccable. You so much. You know, of course, this goes back to many nights of seeing you crushing it at Scotiabank when <laughs> you're doing a wonderful job there. Your jacket game was impeccable there, and you've carried it into the studio. So I'm happy. To I see really that. appreciate that. That yeah, means a lot. Go. I know like, a jacket. It's just you don't need. To, I don't care if we're wearing jeans, sneakers. It's the jacket, man. If I could pick one wardrobe area Ooh. to excel in. It's a jacket. I'm a quarter zip guy. This yeah, is actually yes. like a half zip. It's a really, yeah, it's really a, low. You're in a quarter zip that goes to your belly button. It's a little awkward. <laughs> I have a t-shirt on underneath, <laughs> just to clarify. Not no, scaring good, you too much. A good quarter zip, but no, I like a good, I like a good jacket. There we go. You know, it's easy. It's like you don't have to worry about the rest of the fit. It speaks for itself. But we made it midweek, one day from opening day. We've got uh, Jose Bautista on the show today. We'll t- we'll tee all that up. Um, Jeff Merrick always joins us Wednesday mornings. Aaron Rose from uh, Sports Illustrated talks some Raptors and Dave Tiger Williams. There we go. Because uh, it's Con's my dinner tonight, and he's one of the celebrity. I guess like the head table. Mm-hmm. We went to that last year. Didn't we, we did. Yeah, we had a great table. That was, I think, it was the first time we like met in real life. That's right. Actually, I do think so. It was very fun. It was. I had a great time. Been a couple of times. Yeah, and yeah it's uh, always a really, really enjoyable night. Got a sick picture with Nav Batia last year. Yes. Okay. That it was Flash actually it was ring. sweet. That was a sweet setup. Like you know, some high rollers in there. Yeah. I remember coming on the radio the next morning, and I told the story. It's like one year later. Where my heel broke. Oh, did it? And, I don't remember this. But all night long, I didn't want... It was like the first time I met anyone from Sportsnet in real life because we were just like, you know, just emerging from the pandemic. Yep. And I'm a radio host that never saw anyone, <laughs> especially in the morning. And my heel broke, but I was wearing a long enough dress that I could like play it off that you so couldn't you see just, it. you just tiptoed on one I foot I tiptoed on one foot all night. And then... At Killer the, calf workout. Honestly, though, the next morning... I was hurting, like I was cramping up just one of my calves, but the heel broke. I played it off all night long. And then on the way out, it was like, remember, it was like pouring rain. I it was remember. like muddy and disgusting. And I was barefoot outside the Fairmont. Like I'm like, I look like classy. a degenerate. Yeah, yeah. Classy. But it was like, I'm getting up in the morning for the show. I wasn't buckled or anything. I was just like, hey, I got to go home, standing outside the Fairmont in bare feet. I'm pretty sure my coworkers saw it. This girl's an absolute liability, but it was just because my heel broke. So I won't be going tonight because we've got a lot going if you, on. If you would like me to quickly have my own embarrassing <laughs> yes, cons, my story, it was uh, the not that year, but yeah. I'd been, I think, a year or two before that. And it was a classic case of uh, maybe a, a, a younger version of myself oh. in vibing. Rowdy. Not, not too much, 
but just a touch too much. And I remember talking to like a higher, uh, not a higher up, but like somebody on the the digital side of things. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, you do golf. Do you ever write anything? And I'm like, oh, I can barely read, let alone write. <laughs> and I remember the person who had introduced me to that that uh, person saying, just wincing, like, what is wrong with you? You yeah, did it. So uh, I can tough. write and yeah. read. So uh, if anyone out there is listening, there <laughs> Good you go. for you. Look at us. We can write and read and we can speak. And that's our job there this morning. Um, Raptors last night was the only Toronto sports team in action. You got the Leafs tonight and the Panthers. We'll tee that up, of course. But Raptors with what we said was, you know, another must win. It was a Kyle Lowry return. Uh, it was nice to see him. I don't know if we saw any of the video board tribute. I didn't really see any, like, you know, too much vibe around it. I don't yeah. know if you felt the same way, but it was Kyle Lowry. He yeah, smiles was, a lot. He's it, a lovely guy. That's exactly what it was. <laughs> yeah. It was a little, it was understated, but that's what it's supposed mm-hmm. to be, right? You can't have the big fireworks every single time this guy comes back. It's always going to be appreciated. It's always going to be a little mm-hmm. bit. You saw the moments of him after the game with his teammates. That now, was sweet. It was really, it was really fun to see. Although now this is me doing terrible lip reading. So take it with a grain of salt. I feel like Scotty had a big dunk at the end of that game. And Kyle kind of said uh, maybe some not nice language to oh. his teammates. So, I mean, look, that's what, that's also what we loved about Kyle. Lowry mm-hmm. is that he was surly and didn't take any of that crap. And he's so. a competitor. Yeah, exactly. At that point, it's 106, 92. You know, these, the Raptors dominated that yeah. game, basically, except for that first start where they were down like 14-4, and I was like, oh, no, here we go. Not again. But they put together a pretty good performance, but I like the thing I like about Kyle Lowry is he will compete. For sure. Regardless. And we saw that last night. He's obviously not the same Kyle Lowry we had when he played for the Raptors. He came off the bench, uh, I think, his first. He got a, a couple free throws, and you could hear the people in the audience are oh, like, yeah. you know, a couple little claps, but... Yeah. Now I'm at the now again, you know, he should do what's right for for him. But now I'm at the point where I just wanted to hurry up and retire so we can't have the big party. Yeah, I wonder. I don't know how many years he's got left in his career or his contract, but yeah, he's uh, he's on the cusp, I think. And look, it's the, he can absolutely still find a role on a team, mm-hmm. being a depth guy, down the bench, vet leader, all that. It's just dependent on how long he wants to do that for. And I mean, as long as someone's going to give him a lot of money to do it, I can't imagine he'll walk yeah. away from that. But yeah. And I think he likes living in Miami. Yeah, who wouldn't? I think he likes going golfing basically any any time that's available he'd probably hit the links but he's got a nice he's got a nice life there obviously last night raptors um win but without you know he didn't have jimmy butler which would have made a big difference i think but you capitalize on the opportunity you have it was a big one for them they finally get to 500 folks there we go the elusive 500 it was 109 straight days under 500 that's since december 9th it seems like such an achievement, and it's just, it's 500. It's, it's, <laughs> like we're so happy for 500. This has been the case of this season, is that, hey, they did it. What's it? They got to the play-in. <laughs> they got to 500. This is great. This has been a season of kind of mismatched expectations. They didn't push in, and then when they did, they made a modicum of strides, but then they've stubbed their toes since. Mm. I think the big thing to take away from last night is just how good the kind of core moving forward look together Mm. scotty pascal and og that is arguably the game that they have most clicked together there have been better raptors games this season where fred's been more involved but when you look at the way those three thrive together it was what we talked about with eric yesterday of how well you know we were more focusing on just scotty and pascal but Mm -hmm. throw og into the mix of just how well can those guys coexist and you saw it last night the one thing i would say is that 
I think so much of what you get from those guys, mostly OG on this as opposed to the other two, but they're great not because they could fill it up, but because they were two-way players. Mm-hmm. And I just think you'd like to see a game like that against the team that can pressure you a little more offensively. That was a rock fight last night. I mean, the Raptors were punishing the rim. They put a beating on that thing in the first half. I think there were one of 16 from three in the first half of that game. It was tough. The Heat are not much better in mm-hmm. terms of what they do in, in that regard. So I think that's what that's kind of the next step from that group you'd like to see. And, you know, obviously the you know the team you'd love to see them do it against the most is probably a team like the Celtics with two really dominant wings. And that's asking a lot. But if this is going to work, if this is going to be something you're going to build around, they're going to have to be capable of that. They've got the Celtics twice next week the 5th and the 7th. Uh, so you can get your wish yeah. there. I don't. Uh, well, I, I want to be clear. I don't think I'm going to get my wish. Yeah. I'm going to get a chance You're to get it. You're going to get an opportunity yeah. to see it. Um, but Raptors about to do this road trip, which so this four game set at home, they go three and one. And Justin and I believe it was last week said, you know, they should go four and oh, okay. They go three and one. That's basically take it. Uh, you know, I think what was the, the most acceptable uh, and most predictable of them four and oh would have been pretty nice, but Raptors are, um, 10 out of 11 in their last home games and six out of nine in total their last nine games, but they're about to go on a road trip here and they have lost six out of their last seven Not good. on the road. And now they're in this opportunity where uh, they got to keep winning. Um, I believe that there's not like it. The odds of them jumping up are, you know, attainable. I wouldn't say that they're, realistic in a sense, unless you can pull up some big wins here on the road. And as I mentioned, they got the Celtics twice. They're going to play the Sixers next and they're going to play um, one more team. Oh, Hornets also and Bucks. So, so they could win one of those games. They could win one of them. <laughs> Maybe two for getting greedy, but they like they set themselves up at least for an opportunity where they can be like they have a little bit of a buffer. Yeah, they've got a chance here. The the problem with it is that, you know, this has been this has been a history forever in this mm-hmm. league is that your stars show up everywhere, but your role players show up at home. And it's not lost on me that a team like the Raptors that yeah, they have some star players, but if you are you need your depth to kind of shine through mm-hmm. and they just they are able to do that so much more at home it seems you throw in the matchups that they have in that Celtics a couple times 76ers the Bucks Mm -hmm. good luck and that's not that's not a knock on the Raptors you could say that about if you you could say that about the 76ers if they had that exact schedule and throw in the Nuggets instead of themselves there good luck that's a tough tough run of games for any team so they built themselves a bit of a buffer here but I also think that this is kind of a worst case and not worst case scenario but you just have such a tough slog you're gonna get punched in the mouth there's no no way you come through this feeling amazing about mm-hmm. your team. You can have some tough losses or hard fought where you show well, but it's just you you have the momentum. You have that win against the Heat. You're feeling good. You get the big game from your big three guys, and all of a sudden you're just staring at a really, really tough stretch Oof. of sked coming up. So I think you're bang on with the the biggest takeaway was those three. Um, specifically Scotty for me, of course. It was cool because you're seeing like the past of the Raptors with mm-hmm. Kyle Lowry and then you're seeing the present slash future with the way Scotty Barnes played last night. Um, right from the get-go too. And for me, that's that's a big takeaway is Scotty's been fourth quarter Scotty and we've been praising his fourth quarter performance um, throughout the season. But he started out strong. I think he got 18 of his 22 points in the first half. 
He gets his career high assists, so he's playing that two way game. Mm-hmm. He's seen the ball really well. Uh, zero turnovers too. And for a young guy, we talked about this with Eric as well. You know, there was all this expectation on him, and he just wins Rookie of the Year, and he comes into his sophomore season, and it's pretty hard to put together two performances that like that. And regardless if he's having this prolific year or not, you're going to compare to last season. So an opportunity like last night to come in and play in a big spot against a guy who isn't the Kyle Lowry of late, but people are going to be looking at mm-hmm. the past and the present of those Toronto Raptors. I thought Scotty played really well, 22 points. Um, him, Pascal, and OG, they all contributed. I believe I saw this stat here that they, oh yes, Barnes and Siakam scored or assisted on 42 of the Raptors' 53 points in the first half starts are really important for this team because finishes have been tough. So for them to get out strong into kind of create that like level of uh, confidence in their roster early and in their game early, that's, that's something that over the next four or five games, can you start strong? I think that that should be a tangible goal for them. Yeah, it should. And just, just to go back about the passing there, you know, this team, we've talked about it, the whole vision six, nine mm-hmm. thing. Part of that is that some guys who are six, nine are going to have to be, not just shot makers, but shot creators mm-hmm. for you. And obviously that is a big, big part of what Scotty is supposed to bring. I think OG had three, maybe five assists last night. You're not going to get five. that from five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a career high for him or, or close to it. You're not going to get that on a night-to-night basis. You can't bank on it, but it's really nice to see. And then if Scotty is going to continue to flourish as this type of playmaker, it does slightly change the type of guard you can have in the backcourt there. You know, you can have somebody who doesn't need to be as much of a creator. That's not their sole job. And the thing I also really, really liked about Scotty last night was in terms of his passing was just the different ways he was doing it. You know, a lot of times with a guy, you'll see a highlight reel of their assists and they're all kind of similar. There were so many different plays. You had Scotty just kind of running things. You had him coming out of the pick and roll. You had one, there was one amazing pass. I think he, you know, it wasn't Pirtle because he didn't score until late in the game, but he just uses his incredibly long pterodactyl arm. And the fact that his (laughs) arms look long in an NBA game tells you everything you need to know about him, where he just was able to kind of hold the ball out in the post and create this weird little angle by flicking his wrist. It was just so nice to see. And to see a guy, we always talk about creativity for big guys in terms of post moves or how they get to the rim or how they're able to get their own shot. And to see his creativity as a passer flourishing, that really lets you see that, man, that could be the best possible version. Because we remember the rookie year. It was hyperbole and it was ridiculous. But people are going, this guy could be Magic Johnson. He's six nine he's a point guard and you saw right. little flashes of what made people say that ridiculous statement but you saw little mm-hmm. flashes of it last night yeah we actually have a quote uh our post-game clip from nick nurse talking about scotty barnes because he he was the first star of last night's game um he's a guy that you're going to be looking at down the stretch here into the postseason an opportunity that nick nurse has said we want to get these guys playoff opportunities that we want to see them play well scotty barnes is probably one of the guys they're circling when they have that statement so here is nurse on Scotty's big night and what he's seeing in terms of his vision. He had a really good energetic game. You know, he just had his head up and was moving with the ball quickly. Obviously, the 12 assists are huge. He was he was finding a lot of the 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 people out of kind of like kind of like the next pat, you know, we'd get it out of the double and it'd come to him and he'd find the next cutter a lot of times going to the rim. Um very, very good job of vision with him tonight on finding guys for easy buckets, setting guys up. I mean, that's what you're going to need down the road when you play these these teams. I I was thinking with Justin last week that hopefully by this point, 
there's some of these other teams that they're about to play, the Sixers, the Celtics, and then the Bucks might be sitting some mm-hmm. of their guys, allowing maybe nicely for the Raptors to capitalize on some depleted rosters. I mean, they look good when there's no Jimmy Butler mm-hmm. or Co. in the lineup. I don't know if it's at that point where we're going to see these teams not put their best players on, but a part of me also wants them to go up against the full force of these teams because in the play-in or whatever, you're going to have to play like it's a one and done or this is a championship level game. So I'm kind of like on the fence about it. Yes. It'd be nice for them to have an easier walk into and get these wins. But at the same time, it's like, how much do you believe they can just turn it on against you know, the the league's best all of a sudden. Yeah, I think for me, when when I think about that, you would gladly take a, a Giannis or an Embiid or any of these guys taking mm-hmm. the night off. You would <laughs> gladly take that. I think that I think that we can all be realistic about what the Raptors' chances are in the play-in and whatever happens there. They might make a nice little run in the play-in, but beyond mm-hmm. that, I think that they're, they really have their work cut out for them. So I don't think there's anything of needing to kind of iron sharpens iron heading into the playoffs there. I think you'd rather just collect your wins and feel good about yourself that way the other good thing about it is that you know not the teams haven't sat guys in big marquee games before looking at you Joel Embiid yes. and, and uh, Nikolai Jokic just last week I think or maybe it was earlier this week my days were all no it was last I think week it was maybe it, Monday yeah. Adam yeah. it was supposed to be like the MVP showdown yeah, exactly yes. and they didn't end up playing each other so it you know not the teams wouldn't do that on marquee games but you know maybe you do have a little more of a chance if it's the mm. Raptors coming to town I mean we've seen the opposite side of things where Kawhi came to Detroit and Toronto the Clippers did and he said yeah I'm not playing in Detroit I'm gonna go play in Toronto so I think that maybe the Raptors might benefit from uh, the other side of things there that that'd be the one kind of positive takeaway but I don't think you need to worry about going through the best I think Mm -hmm. you'd rather just have those guys feeling good because they beat whoever was out there different position to be if you're the Raptors right now Maple Leafs were talking about hey load manage anyone Mm -hmm. you can like don't put, you know, Austin Matthews in every single game down the stretch. We could talk some um, Leafs as they're back in action as well tonight against the Florida Panthers. And they've got a back-to-back again this weekend. So they've got some questions to make roster decision-wise. But I guess for the Raptors, what I need from them, other than winning some of these games, mm-hmm. getting themselves in a better position, is I've been really impressed with the way that the bench has not been an area yes. of uh, depletion. It hasn't been an area where you get them in the game and you're counting down the seconds till your starters are back out there. If there's anything to take from the next little stretch is keep getting those guys confidence. Like mm-hmm. Keep getting those guys reps because in the end – Yes, it's going to come down to your starters in a play-in game, but having a little bit of a cushion, a little bit of depth that you're not scared to see these faces on the court is is you know maybe the number two thing that I'm looking forward to when we look down the stretch here. Yeah, I think the Raptors have a lot of guys who are your kind of classic rotation guys Mm -hmm. on a mediocre team that has some upside. You will see flashes from a guy like Downton Jr. or Chris Boucher. He's been talking the town. Yeah, you'll see see flashes from those guys where you can really talk yourself into, hey, maybe this is a (laughs) not long-term piece of the core, but this is a guy you'd like to keep around. And then they'll have 10 games where they just completely go away. That's the difference between a guy who's been a rotation player in this league for five years and a guy who's just trying to eke his way in there. And I think that that's what you always have to kind of expect and prepare yourself is not that it should be considered gravy whenever these guys perform well. They're NBA players. You want them to do their job. But this is the there's a reason we always say it. You know, I'll go back to the old William Nylander corollary. (laughs) 
if if you wanted him to, if he was the player you'd want him to be, he'd cost eleven million dollars. And given the season he had, he just might do that uh, the, this upcoming off season. Not actually, but <laughs> but if Jeff Downton oh, Jr. <laughs> if Jeff Downton Jr. was the guy we all wanted him to be, and he was consistent, guess what? He would have had a ton of trade value at the deadline, yeah. and they might have moved on from him, and this team would be in a much better position. And I don't mean to put that all on one guy, but I think that's what you have to look at with the rotation of this team. Is just there's a reason this team is where they are, and part of it was the mis- mismatching of Project 6-9 mm-hmm. and how successful that would be, but part of it is that they have lost a lot of the depth from the championship, and the and not even the championship years, just even the Lowry DeRozan era years. All right, so Raptors hit the road for one, two, three, four, five straight road games before their very final game at home against the Bucks on Sunday, April 9th. So they're on the road for a while. They got to try to flip the script and have the same home cooking out wherever they're headed to. Um, they are also in ninth because the Hawks won again last night. They're not making it easy. Uh, they both have the exact same record, 38 and 38 hitting 500 for the first time since December. So baby steps, good wins, um, just things to build on. Uh, we'll talk to Aaron Rose, of course, of Sports Illustrated later in the show, see where he's at, see if he has any Kyle Lowry legacy moments or memories from his time covering them. Um, but let's get to Jays because we got some fun things to do today um, as we tee up tomorrow's opening day for the Toronto Blue Jays. They're, this is it. They got a day off. They got to gear, gear up for tomorrow. I think everybody in the city is excited. I think everybody in the MLB, nonetheless, is excited to get the real season started. So we've done this before for um, Raptors and Leafs. It's like your preseason most likely to. So it made me think of when you were getting a yearbook at the end of your whatever. Yes. And you had the most likely to whatever. Mine was to skate down the aisle. It's like, when did I ever say I wanted to do that? Or would I ever do that? But it's just like... I just remember that being one of them. Most likely to skate down the hour. Most likely to win a gold medal. I'm like, well, drop the ball on that one. I think mine had to do with never stopping talking, quite yeah, honestly. Really? Yeah. Well, look there at that. We go. There you go. You found the right career path. I guess so. Um, so we're going to do some Blue Jays slash MLB wide most likely twos, um, like superlatives. Um, you can always text in your answers too or any questions that you'd want to add to it. But we've got a little lengthy list here. Shout out to Daniele for helping compile this. Uh, we'll start with the MLB wide ones, just like, Get your feet wet. Um, These are fun to look through because they're all hypothetical. And yes, there's so many things that have to go into it. And yeah, yeah, yeah. But let's just have fun. Because it's Wednesday. It's baby, baby, embryo Friday. So uh, the first one here is which MLB star is most likely to be traded during the 2023 season? Star is uh, however you'd like to put that. Okay. okay, star is the operative word because there will be tra- there will be trades. But what's the blockbuster trade during the twenty twenty three season? Come on, we all know Shohei. Yeah, it's yes! gonna be Shohei. It better be Shohei. The Angels are gonna be Shohei. The Angels are gonna stink. Mm. Mike Trout is gonna have locked himself into purgatory. <laughs> uh, that was the worst thing that ever could have happened to the Angels because now there's no way they're re-signing Shohei yeah. Otani. He saw no that Trout deal and said, "No, no, no." I want no parts of that. Mm-hmm. That team is going to tease you with moments where those two, we've all seen the tweet 8 billion yes. times of, oh, they did something since old Tungsten Armo <laughs> duel or whatever. <laughs> Mike Trout went nine for nine with eight homers and they lost mm-hmm. because that's the way it is. That is baseball needs a big, sexy storyline to carry it through the season. We talk about this all the time. It is a regional sport. You care about your team. Outside of that, as the season goes along, you care about your division. Mm -hmm. There are baseball diehards who care about the entire league, but for most people, you're just kind of bogged down and focused on your team, what's going on in your backyard. 
Aaron Judge Chase was the story we had all last year, and I firmly believe... Thank God we had something. Honestly, <laughs> and I firmly believe the Shohei Otani trade, rumor mill, however mm-hmm. you want to do it, Steve Cohen just sitting there going, get me, Shohei! <laughs> all of that stuff uh, is in play, and honestly, I think it's great for baseball. So, 100%. yes, that's the guy. It better be. <laughs> that's why I was so easy to answer that one, too, because it's uh, also like a heart pick. Like, please be this, yes. the guy that gets traded. Even Especially if it's, seeing the even D- if he's a Yankee. Yeah, uh, I mean it would be it would be fun to see him more. I might. It would also hurt a lot. I might hate the Yankees more than I love any single sports team. Honestly, do you hate the Yankees more than you love Shohei Otani? Yes. Oh, oh, wow. it's not Shohei's been in my life for yeah. six weeks. But has he really? To he's Yankees won hatred. mine over real quick. <laughs> I, the thing I love most about Shohei is that, and this I don't know, maybe I'm reading way way too much into this. But the second he struck out Trout to end the WBC, I said to myself, oh, that guy's been in America. Yeah. He's talking a lot of noise afterwards, and I loved it. Uh, and then he's, you know, all the rumors after the WBC about how his pending contract's going to be billion dollars. It's like, yeah, get him off the Angels, yeah. please. Okay. Um, all right, second one here is which MLB team is most likely to surprise in 2023? Now, surprise, this one for me was a bit difficult to evaluate because what – you know, teams that are going to win or a team that's going to exceed expectations. I ended up with a two-part okay. answer because I didn't really know which one I felt more confident with. The Cubs mm. was a, a maybe a surprise just because the NL Central is kind of up for grabs. Um, they did get Swanson, Tyon, um, Cody Behringer, or Yeah, they got him, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's a bounce-back candidate. We were tr- trying to talk ourselves into the Jays getting we him at one point. Uh, I kind of like sold myself on it, and then he didn't. Uh, but I think maybe the Cubs could surprise. I don't think they're going to be a incredible baseball team, but maybe surprise. But then I went with the Mariners mm. as well. Um, they got Julio Rodriguez, another year older, could be an MVP this year. They were a wild card team last year, as we know. They got a young roster on the rise, a strong starting rotation. To me, that's really important about a team that could surprise. And I don't know if they're going to push the Astros for a division, but they're going to be competitive. So those were kind of my two answers for teams that could surprise. I go Rangers on this. They've been kind of lost in the wilderness. Mm. They made their yeah, big I never splash. Think about them. They made their big splash for Simeon a couple of summers ago or a couple of winters ago after he he left here jacob Degrom got added nathan eovaldi mm-hmm. got added eovaldi was a guy who was really really high on he's pitched in so many big moments and i know both those guys are longer in the tooth but that kind of proves where this team is at you don't get those guys to just fill That's out true. a rotation you get them to go win something so i you know we all know what that division looks like at the top of it with the astros there nobody's beating yeah. them and the, the wild card will be really tricky to come by but i think they will surprise people in mm-hmm. being in the conversation for that wild card way deeper into the season than we expect or jacob de will blow out his arm one week into the season so Either way. Either way. <laughs> they could surprise. Yes. Um, all right. Next question here is, out of the 12 MLB teams that made the playoffs last season, which club is most likely to regress in 2023? Okay. I will go with Cleveland here. Okay. This is my pick. Uh, okay. Tristan McKenzie was so important for them. Awesome starter. Doesn't have quite the electric stuff you think of, but just a ton of good command. He is a pitcher for, for a young player. And him missing potentially eight weeks to start the season, anytime you have mm-hmm. your ace that's just not in the right spot that you want to be, it just really, really puts you behind the eight ball there. They kind of did it with scotch tape and bubble gum last year as it is. I know they have some young players. They think those guys can improve. They have other young pitchers, but that's just the team that I feel uh, mo- most likely to kind of regress out of the postseason. You're going to like my answer. Oh. The New yeah. York Yankees. Yeah. 
this is again a manifest yourself into something, but truly, <laughs> like, remember last year when they went on this kind of downfall near the end of the season? Yep. Thank God they had Aaron Judge because he was the only player willing them to success. Do you think Aaron Judge is going to be better than last year? Not a chance. No. Even if he's good, this team is not better than they were last year. Um, they already have some pretty significant injury issues and the season hasn't started. I think the Yankees are going to be disappointing this year. And I'm I'm all for that. I okay? love it. Let's will it to happen. But I just think that they they had this kind of storybook story or yeah, a storybook season. They had the Aaron Judge thing that kind of distracted from the actual roster. They had Aaron Judge be Aaron Judge. So I think that they are a team that is maybe likely to regress. And I hope that's the case. I would love to see that. I'm all for it. <laughs> okay. Sign me up. Uh, we'll try our best. Um, speaking of Aaron Judge, the last question for our MLB most likely twos is um, related to him. Obviously last year he set the AL record with 62 home runs. Now assessing the current landscape of the MLB, which player is most likely to hit 60 home runs this season? You know what? I go just, just to touch off the board. Not really. Give me the polar bear. Give me Pete Alonzo okay. to hit 60. Mm-hmm. That Mets lineup, a ton of pressures on him. Judge just did it. How awesome a story would it be if the guy on the other side of town in Queens right. follows it up right away by doing it? Uh, that's the guy I like. He has big-time pop. That lineup 40 is, last year. That lineup's going to mm-hmm. have a ton of protection. We know he is the home run king in terms of the derby. I think that could carry over. Uh, so, yeah, give me, give me Alonzo. I like him. My answer is no one. Oh, well, I mean, that is the answer, just so we're clear. <laughs> yes, the answer is no one, but um, Pete Alonzo was up there for me. And I'm just going to say, if someone that has the power to do it, Vladdy. Yeah. Well, can I? Okay, so people aren't, people love that answer. They mm. aren't going to like this. I don't think this player is the most likely to hit 60 homers, mm. but I think this player has a very good chance to lead Major League Baseball okay. in homers. Oscar Hernandez. Oh, God. Yeah. A lot of people were on that last oh. year as kind of a dark horse guy. I'm just, Can you imagine the city of I'm Toronto? I'm just that saying happens? it'd be very Toronto sports. I'm just saying. Yeah, you've kind of now made me yeah, sorry. sick. But I can if see If I that. have to think about these things, so do you. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And so do all of you. Oh, boy. Okay, let's go into Blue Jays then because we've got some Blue Jays most likely twos as well to run through. There's a lot of new faces this year on the Blue Jays. A lot of people were excited to kind of learn about um, the spring training. You get, a, you get a peek into the roster shakeup. But, you know, guys aren't also going full out yet uh we're gonna see that starting tomorrow so which blue jays newcomer is most likely to impress in 2023 for me that's var show i'm really excited because i feel like i don't really know what he's going to bring because he's kind of like an enigma Mm -hmm. he is someone super unique he comes with a skill set that i don't think is replicated on this roster i think we're gonna fall in love with him uh, incredible defense. He's versatile. He can hit for power. He can run. He's he's a pure athlete. I think he's just bringing something different to this roster. And since spring training started, nobody's really talked about him, right? He's been kind of quiet. Oh, this guy. We were going to see a lot of great things from um, Varsho, but I want to I want to be able to tune into Varsho starting tomorrow and see. And I think he's going to have a, a pretty significant role in this lineup. So I'm I'm thinking that he's going to be the most likely to out of this new. Blue Jays additions to impress and win over Blue Jays fans. 
I'm with you. I think that is the right answer. The one I will throw at you otherwise is Belt. I think that he is yeah, I was per- right in between those. So two. he is perfectly mm-hmm. situated to be helpful for this team or a bit of an afterthought. I don't think he is going to be somebody who we think of every day of, mm-hmm. oh, you need more. Because guess what? If he's not swinging it as a DH, there are other guys who can do that on this team. And he's the lefty bats. So you mm-hmm. don't have to see him every day, all of that stuff. So I'm with you. Varsho is the right answer there. But I think Belt could have a really nice year. And then honestly, I think just given the expectations people have for him, as long as Kevin Kiermaier goes out there and is great in center field, if the rest of the lineup hits, people aren't going to care what he does offensively. He's so, going to impress. Yeah. Oh, the, oh let me regardless. tell you. Oh, yes. <laughs> you a know. lot of people impressed. Ooh, yeah. We're already impressed with uh, Kevin Kiermaier. Those, the new additional commercial yes. of the Blue Jays, it's just like unfair that he like gl- like looks at you oh, into yeah. the camera like Blue that. Blue steel. Like, oh, yeah. All right. So it's like Kevin Pillar all over again, yeah. folks. Oh, yeah. Those are the days. All right. Which Blue Jays prospect is most likely to make an impact in the big leagues this season? So we kind of like lowered it down to some options, but um, like Otto Lopez, Ricky Tiedemann, Addison Barger. I think it's got to be Tiedemann. Yeah. If you look at the if you look at the team, you know, a guy like Lopez or a guy like Barger. With Merrifield and Espinal being around, mm-hmm. I just don't really see the path there. Uh, they'd have to really impress. You'd have to have some injuries. There has been talk about Tiedemann coming up this year. They're going to slow play it. I don't think they'll rush it. But you can never have enough great pitching, whether they're starters, whether they're coming out of the pen. So, yeah, I think it has to be Tiedemann. If this team wants to have the year they're going to have, it should be Tiedemann. I completely agree. Um, also, who's who's easier to have um, make a splash is someone coming up. To pitch. Um, the other guys are more plug and play. Like you might see them here and there, yep. but if we're talking about making impact, and let me tell you, if that Tiedemann. Barger gets up to the big leagues, you're never going to stop hearing about how yoked he is. Yeah, he's, he's huge. He's, yeah, they're going to have a tight jersey on him too. Very tight. You'll see. It'll be, that he's the, it'll be the Ricky Ray's pants of jerseys. <laughs> um, all right, moving on. Who's most likely to be the Blue Jays team MVP in 2023? For me, it's got to be. Vladdy. Oh, disagree. All right. Go ahead. Let's go. Oh, I just mean in terms of who's most likely to, I'm trying to write this script about Vladdy continuing to, you know, bounce back is bounce back is also relative because he had that incredible season. And then same thing we were just talking about with Scotty Barnes. Like, how do you follow that up? Right. Same with Austin Matthews. How do you follow up a year where you set records and you become the heart trophy candidate and you win that award? And then there's, there's a letdown period. Maybe that was last year for Vladdy. But he has all the skill set. He has all the experience now. He's got a chip on his shoulder, I think, too, of not having the year that he wanted last year. I could see him being the Blue Jays team MVP this year. Yeah, I could easily see it. I think just from a script perspective, I think it's most likely to be Manoa, mm-hmm. and I'm going to do the old sports writery. It's not best player. It's most valuable player. And I think that there are enough capable bats. I know they lost to Oscar, and I know they lost Lourdes, but you hope Varsho can come in, and you hope Bichette can continue to grow and flourish. And, you know, you really like what you got out of Kevin Gosman, and you hope Barrios has a bounce back year. I have some questions about Chris Bassett and you say Kikuchi might be the fifth guy in the rotation. Okay. So Alec Manoa needs to be really, really great for this team. And I just think the way that they will have the most success is him being the most valuable player for this team. And that's not a knock on the season. Vladdy's going to have, I think he's going to be great, but it's just from a team Mm -hmm. perspective. If you're looking at it from the, the definition valuable, I got to go Manoa. And I was completely in this debate with myself last night. And I thought, well, who are you going to see more? I guess mm, you're going to see Vladdy every night, most likely, and maybe some days where he DHs and that's fine. But Manoa, you're going to have to be waiting like every every couple 
nights to see. So it made that gave me a little bit of but, an but edge. Absence but absence makes the heart grow fonder. You're right. Yeah, you're just left wanting for Alec Manoa. Um, okay, and another flip side of this, in a sense, is who's most likely to emerge as an X Factor or unsung hero? Unsung hero is always tough because, like, if you're you're giving them the praise, do they end up being sung? For me, it's a player that maybe is going to exceed expectations. Um, for me, Whit Merrifield. Oh. Yes, I know this is a bit off the board, but I really, really liked Whit Merrifield at the very end of last season. We are pumping the Whit Merrifield um, alarms. We, exactly. He's already been proven to be an all-star. We know he's got that stuff. He's he's led the league in stolen bases quite a lot this year. He's really good in terms of that 7, 8, 9 um, of the batting order to like keep the pitcher. Oh, okay, I don't just get to let off here. Um, keeps him guessing. He's that bridge between like the end and the top of the rotation. He's got speed. He can get on base. Uh, extends your batting lineup. I just think he had a really great September, and that tiptoes into what can you do this year? You've been another year on this roster. I think there's going to be some times down the stretch in important games where Whit Merrifield does an unsung hero esque thing for this team. There, I like that a lot. I'm going to. I have two here. I'm quibbling between. Yes, give me both. All right. I'm not going to say UK. You say Kikuchi, but that's the one I was MVP quibbling with. MVP of the Grapefruit League. Yeah, <laughs> he's that, very sung. much so. He has been. He's been lights out. It's Zach Pop. Mm. He is mm. not going to work himself into a closer role or a setup man role. But they didn't go out and get this guy for nothing. You know, Bass was more the figure part of that trade they made with the Marlins, but Pop came along with it. Guy's a heavy, heavy sinker. That pitch can play a lot. And we see it all the time with bullpens is sometimes guys take a year to kind of acclimatize to the role they're in. It's a yo-yo position as is from one season to the next. So I think Pop can have a really nice role for this team, almost in the... You know, not not quite a Tim Mazer role because he was basically your setup guy yeah. and he was the lefty, so it was a little different. But I think you could see him see a world where he's in some seventh inning of games. He's kind of following up your starter. If there's a bigger moment earlier in the game, I could see a world where Pop really works himself in to be that role. I, he's not going to be Romano. He's not going to go ahead of Swanson on the depth chart mm-hmm. there. That was the guy they got for T. Oscar. But I think you could you, you could see a nice year out of him. Hey, it's good that we have a couple of options for people that can be unsung yeah. heroes because... The worst thing you want is to look at this roster and say, it's got to be X, Y, Z to lead this team to success. There's a couple of candidates that could be really integral parts of this run if the Blue Jays want to make it you know, to the World Series, right? It can't just be Vladdy and Bo and Springer. Nope. So I think having some options for an X-Factor unsung hero is a nice uh, a little safety valve for you. But you mentioned you say Kikuchi. You wrote this one on the dock, and I I felt bad thinking of who would be the Yusei Kikuchi Award most likely to flop because you never want to say these things out loud, but this is a practice in uh, in evaluation. Mm-hmm. And so for me, when you think of most likely to flop, I tried to think of, okay, what is expectations versus like vulnerability in this role? For me, that's Jordan Romano. Ooh. Now, it's hard to say that because he was an incredible dominant reliever, but we did see his season progressed a little bit. Team started to figure him out. Now, the thing with being an incredible reliever is it's hard to do that year after year, unless you're like a Hall of Famer. So the good side, the flip side of this, if he can have another year like he did last year, then we we don't even understand what Jordan Romano could be for the future of this team. But in terms of most likely to flop, I, I could see this being something. Teams figured out his pitches. He doesn't throw 100. Um, it's harder to get swing and miss when people figure you out. So can Jordan Romano put together the same performance that we saw at the start of last year? 
I would be really happy to see that, but it is very difficult in that role, expectations versus like the vulnerability of being this very much relied on reliever. I don't want this to happen. I must preface that, and I don't. I don't think it's very likely. But there is an opportunity for one player to maybe regress. It could be Jordan Romano. From a narrative perspective, that would probably be the worst thing. I yeah. mean, obviously, a, a massive down year from Vladdy or Bo or something mm-hmm. would be more catastrophic. But I just think that the local kid, the hometown guy, oh, it bull, would suck. Bullpen has been such an issue for mm-hmm. this team that you don't, you know. And again, they they went out and got Swanson because they like him. But I don't think anybody's sitting here going, "Oh, maybe Swanson can overtake Romano." If that happens it's been a bit of a mm-hmm. disaster. So, yeah, I do not like the sounds of that at all, but I could But just see. being that good yeah. back-to-back years it's in that tough. role is really hard. Uh, I go with a new toy. Mm. Eh, he's an old new toy, Chris Bassett. Okay. Throws a million pitches, yeah. new staff it's to work with. It's weird. He's like, I got like 42 pitches. Like, yeah, but like, uh, how about we have like four, like dial in on those ones. It's the AL East. Yeah. He's throwing junk out there. And look, junk. he's made it work, okay? This is a guy who the Jays obviously identified and they want it to work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just think that given the stuff he has to work with, now the thing that will really help him is the lack of a, the ba- or the unbalancing of the schedule now, or sorry, the rebalancing of mm-hmm. the schedule. It's not loaded up in the division. That should help him a little bit. But as far as, far as cause for concern, that's where my mind immediately goes is okay i hate this award let's move on okay you, <laughs> but, ma- you made me do it for the leafs no so. no no. it's good i mean i don't know why i felt like it was easier for the leafs it's hard with yeah the, we with just the all Jays picked on speaks. dennis malgan and matt murray that's why it was easy but yeah. it's tough to like poke holes at this blue jays roster because i feel like they're so good they um are. okay so mlb introducing obviously a lot of new rules um they've had some time here in the in spring training to work through them but hypothetically which blue jays pitcher is going to face the most uh, amount of issues or face the most uh, pitch clock violations, even if it's just, you know, the first month or two and then they dial it in. For me, it's uh, Kevin Gosman. Oh, I was just going to pick on Chris Bassett again. Yeah, well, I mean, he's he most a million likely pitches to flop, and so. there's all these, it, That's and true. He's, he's working with new catchers. Well, so that was it for me. That makes sense. And this one was hard too, like, because they've already had a month and everyone's going to have to deal with it too. But I guess the, the storyline going into it was Kevin Gosman's going to have, is the most fluid with yep. his mechanics and he might have more issues with like balking. But like, it, it, I, to me, this one, I was just like, oh, okay, like, Technically, this could be the case. It's not like a cause for alarm or anything. No, not at all. Um, and then similar light, which Blue Jays hitter is most likely to be penalized the most for pitch clock infractions? I, I literally, I don't have any. Nobody jumped out to me, yeah, but I, I was sad that I couldn't pick Lourdes still. And maybe that's unfair because I just think of, and again, this is, this guy was locked in. He was a 400 <laughs> hitter for a month and a half last year. But every time when, as soon as that I saw that question in the dock, my mind just immediately went to him making fruit cocktails in the That's dugout right. at Fenway. And I'm just picturing them. <laughs> Lourdes, you're, on, hey, you're in the hole. In Come on. So I, I, I didn't really have an answer for this. No, I mean, you think typically and you know it's guys who take their time but that's the whole point of the Mm -hmm. rule is that this is going to beat it out of them like you know i think again i go to vladdy he's not the you know he he saunters up there a little bit he takes his time but guess what he's going to get locked in he's going to do it so yeah if i had to uh if i had to pick anybody it's a no longer blue jay lord all right i like that's a good answer um a couple more here so Projecting forward to the trade deadline, um, which hopefully the Blue Jays are buyers, just like the Toronto Raptors. Yeah. They're looking to add. They're well, looking- hopefully, hopefully they should actually be buyers, though. <laughs> Yaka Pirtle. Um, I mean, that was, a good, that was a good trade deadline for the Raptors and good trade deadline for the Blue, uh, for the Toronto Maple Leafs. So maybe the Raptors we'll and the Leafs uh, paved the way for the, for the Blue Jays to do the same. So if we're projecting towards what the Toronto Blue Jays might do at the trade deadline, where's the area they're most likely to address. I think for me, it was easy, the bullpen. Gas. Guy who throws 100. 
That would be nice. Yep. I think if any World Series champion you look at, they got to have a dynamite bullpen. I don't think you can ever have a strong enough bullpen if you're looking for a postseason run. If there's a way to improve it slightly, you do it. Um, You think about the postseason we just saw with the Blue Jays. Would have been nice to have a bullpen that you felt reliable in. Um, I think that even knowing that you have some guys back there, maybe you put your you take your starters out earlier. Like if it's if it's that much of a cause for alarm, you have a buffer. I think if you look at the best team in baseball, the Astros, they got the best bullpen mm-hmm. in baseball. That is a significant reason to why you're going to be successful. Um, I think if you're going all in, you got to have a way to have a, a pretty dynamite bullpen. I, it's not a matter of getting more bullpen guys. They need to find the freak who throws 102 with movement. Every team in the playoffs has one or two, or sometimes <laughs> they have three of them. Like, even think of a team like the Twins who have been okay in that central division. They got this Duran who's throwing 102 and it's cutting with movement. That's what you need. And Jordan Romano has proven himself to be a really good closer. He can handle it, the mental stuff. Mm-hmm. He has good enough stuff, but they just need that guy who can come in and blow 103 down the middle or a doesn't really matter where it is and easier said than done but there will be a team the tigers were out of it last year Somebody they have one of one those up. guys they won't give it up you're gonna have to <laughs> go out on and a get bladder. it but you have <laughs> to find one of those guys if you're a world series team they don't exist without having those 100%. guys got to go find one 100 uh we'll start circling them now yes um all right similar wavelength with pitchers blue jays did not have a single starting pitcher throw a complete game last season um, from their current staff, who's most likely to end that trend in 2023? Unfortunately, I feel like it's going to be difficult because there's so many, oh, you're getting close to 100, yank them. But if in a perfect world, they let somebody throw a complete game, for me, I think it's Kevin Gosman. It was between him and Manoa, and I, I, I started with Manoa. I'm like, Manoa season, I want the Manoa everything. I want the Cy Young. I want the opening day, the home opener start. But I thought Gosman has a bit better control. And if we're like looking at 100 pitches or less, I think Gosman could get it in that, that like the leash is a little bit or the, the amount of time he'd need to get to a complete game would be a little bit shorter. I think Gosman just by a hair, but I kind of want it to be Manoa. I think it will be Manoa because he, or if it will be anyone, it mm-hmm. will be Manoa. He just has that more mentality. If I'm going to give you a dark True. horse, you say Kikuchi because if he's great, it could happen. And, and they won't want to pull him. And if he stinks... They it could just be a case oh, of you just wear this, yeah. okay? On a on a hey, day where they don't want to tax the pen. Actually, so yeah, yeah. I, there's the dark horse for that okay. one. Okay, um, we do have a text in about um, someone that would be most likely to have the uh, violations in the box is Matt Chapman. He's pretty slow and likes to overthink the time clock violations. Huh. Sure, sure. I like it. I'm sold. <laughs> you it. got me. Um, okay, a couple more here before we take a break. This one is this one's one that it took me a while to find an answer for because I've I've gone back and forth with it all all off season. Is who's going to be the primary four hole hitter? A lot of discussion about the cleanup spot for the Blue Jays. They obviously went in and they added a lot of lefty. Well, a lot they added some lefties this season. It was a very much a point of emphasis. Um, it's been basically Springer, Bo, Vlad, Kirk slash Varsho slash Belt. For this entire spring training, they've been, you know, putting some players in that spot. If you're going to do a full season-wide projection, who gets the most opportunities? 
at cleanup. I think it's Kirk. I think Bichette is going to have a nice year that has him firmly mm-hmm. in that three hole. Springer and Vladdy is going to basically be set. That'll get changed a little bit just because the season's long, but that'll be more or less set. And yeah, I think Kirk's just the most likely guy there. Belt, I don't think is going to be in the lineup. Not that he won't be in semi regularly, mm-hmm. but he's not going to be in every day like Kirk basically will be. And he's going to get some days off here and there. I understand. But yeah, I think Kirk's the most likely guy. Yeah. And I went through that too. And the good thing is I think it'll be interchangeable, For sure. but if I'm going to give the the answer or the question is the most opportunities at cleanup, it will be Kirk for me as well. You know what you're getting from him, right? He hits for contact. You expect one of the other threes, whether it's uh, Springer, Bo, or Vlad in that order to be on base. Hopefully um, he can hit balls in the gap almost better than anybody. I mean, but I think about how the, the shift might play into that. That's why I went maybe with Belt because he's more of like a pull hitter. Um, I don't know. I, I thought that, they will experiment. If you got a lefty, people are going to be like asking for a lefty to be up there in the top four. That's why I thought maybe we'd see a little bit more Varsho slash Belt up there. But if if we're asking the big picture of who's going to get the most opportunities there, I think it is Kirk. But it's good to have it interchangeable, right? Yeah, very much so. And I'm liking Springer Bo Vlad. Like I think Bo really likes going second. Mm. Um, but once again, I feel like. We saw Bo also end up at seventh. Remember yep. the season? So things can change really quickly with the level of confidence that he's these players way, have. He's much streakier than, than Vladdy. Vladdy's power will be streaky, yeah. but Bo, Bo is a hitter overall is. So, yeah. Okay, last one. Just one answer. Most likely to hit the very first home run at the at the renovated Rogers Center. Oh, come on. Let's have the storybook moment. Vladdy. No, I got Springer leadoff home run oh. like he does all, all season long. That's good. Basically hits one in That's every good. big game. We'll see it um, next next week when the Blue Jays are at home for the first time. They open their season tomorrow. It's MLB opening week. Uh, that was fun. It was uh, our look into most likely to. Let's take a break. We got the A list on the other side. Sportsnet five ninety, the fan. Now it's time for hey, the A list. Bing bong, bing bong, bing bong. What's up, baby? All right, I hope this sparks some text line discussion because we all remember being in college, maybe being, a bit, being a bit rowdy at times. Not me. I was a professional, of course. Me. Studious. Me. <laughs> academic athlete. Not me. Yeah. I was an academic weapon, of course, at the university that I chose to go to. Had no fun. Never would have done the following. An LSU student, 19-year-old Bryce Talata was arrested this past weekend for stealing multiple cases of beer from their football stadium. Oh. I mean, I just can't imagine something like this happening at university. Stole several cases of beer at 3 a.m. with a bunch of college-age males. Uh, They were just carrying the beer by hand across the campus when the police stopped them and said, hey, uh, where'd you get all this beer? Nonetheless, they robbed their own college football stadium and were arrested for doing so. And I thought, oh, good, this will spark some good conversation in the text line about maybe some of the craziest things that you did in college that we can share on the radio mm. because that's important. Yeah. But I know that there's some people waiting to get some, hey, I was at Western and you don't even know what we did this one night. We all got tattoos on our butts or something. I know you got something out there. Hit us up with a text line, 590-590. Include your name and location. Mm-hmm. I think I have one I can share. Okay. I have many. Here I think I have one I can share. I got a couple. Okay. There you go. Give, oh, okay. I'll give, give it to you right one. now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, University of Windsor. Uh, oh, boy. Yeah, Statue of Levitations is up on this. We used to always... Um, I don't know. Is it breaking in if you could just pull really hard on a door and it opens? No, I think that's okay. the door's fault. So we used to 
to open the education gym at night and we would just have like from 2 to like Study 5 a.m. <laughs> basketball runs. We get the music nice. going. Might have been some orange crushes involved. Uh, yeah, it was uh, it was lovely. So yeah, that that's my... That seems really tame. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, again, it's the one I can share. Unfortunately, some of them can't because I went to a school where the only social nightlife, we didn't have clubs or bars, mm-hmm. was frats and sororities. Oh, yeah. And unfortunately, there's some bad things that happen in frats and sororities, and you can look it up. There's some that were banned. Have heard. Bad things happen. So uh, a lot of those, and also the legal drinking age wasn't 21. So of course, I didn't have any alcoholic beverages until I turned 21 in my junior summer. Of course. Somebody that would never do anything wrong is Jeff Merrick, (laughs) host of the Jeff Merrick Show. He's on the other side of the break. Um, Are the Tampa Bay Lightning okay? Because they've looked like they've kind of let their foot off the gas and the Maple Leafs are looming in the shadows ready to pounce. Should we be feeling a little bit more confident or is this just smoke and mirrors? Jeff, on the other side of the break.